Welcome back, brothers and sisters. Our little experience in the scriptures, if you look at the book of Revelation, trying to find principles of application to help us feel more prepared for the second coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, I look forward to that day. I picture it all the time in my mind, and I can't wait to see his return. Remember, big picture, chapter one of book of Revelation, all about Jesus. Chapters two and three, the seven letters to the seven churches. Chapters four and five, the throne theophany. He gets that book sealed with seven seals. And then chapters six through nine, he tells us about the 7,000 years of the earth's existence. In chapter 10, the little book uh, interlude. Chapter 11, the two prophets in Jerusalem. Today, we're going to focus on chapter 12, the dragon, the pre-earth life. John takes a break from his panoramic vision to teach us where this battle began. He helps us understand the nature of Satan and his role and why he makes life so difficult for us. If you have your scriptures, we want to jump into Revelation chapter 12 today. We're going to look at the first six verses. We have this vision of a woman. Uh, clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet. Upon her head, there's a crown of stars. Um, she, in verse two, is pregnant. She has a, a baby. And all of a sudden, she's giving birth. And she has these pains. At this moment, a great, great red dragon appears. Um, obviously, this is going to be Satan. In fact, verse four tells us that with his tail, he drew a third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. This has reference to that battle in in uh, the pre-earth life, the council in heaven. And his goal in verse four is to devour this woman's child as soon as it's born. In verse five, she brings forth a child who's supposed to rule the nations with a rod of iron. Um, but he eventually is caught up to God. And then this woman flees into the wilderness, verse six, where she has a place prepared for her of God. She's there for 1,203 score days. Most of you are probably familiar with what this uh, what this means many of our prophets have said that this is a symbol of the the church producing um, the Savior that the the woman is a symbol of the church and her fling into the wilderness might be a symbol of the apostasy how the early church went into a period of apostasy following the death of Jesus that Satan his goal the red dragon was to devour Christ just after he was born it points her minds to King Herod trying to kill Jesus and all the other little babies shortly after the birth of Jesus um, this is a very very evil and disturbing chapter to begin with but it helps us understand a little bit about our adversary. In verses 7 through 10, John tells us more about this, this dragon, this devil. In verse 7, he's called the dragon. The word dragon in Greek is dracon, which means to see or seeing one. Remember, Satan does not have the, uh, the veil present. He's able to see things from the other side. He's accomplishing his agenda from behind um, his own veil. We can't see him, but it sounds like to some degree he can see us and maybe even some of our pre-earth um, experiences. The word Satan, John uses that in verse 9. After that dragon is cast down, he becomes uh, that old serpent Satan. The word Satan in Greek means uh, to it means the adversary or to oppose and that's him he is such an opponent against good things things of righteousness 
One of his other titles is Lucifer. Lucifer means light bearer. We get that from the Bible dictionary. Those that speak Latin-based languages hear that root cognate of luz, luz, la luces, the light that he bore. Another term is the devil, right? The devil, devil means slanderer, one who throws something across the path of another, where he's literally trying to get you and me to, to become tripped up. No matter how you, uh, how you slice it, no matter what title you use for him, he is evil. He is a slanderer. He is a fallen being. He is the ultimate adversary trying to oppose God's plan of salvation. <clears throat> What's interesting is we, we get asked often, what was Satan's plan, quote unquote plan? In Moses 4 verses 1 through 4, we learn a little bit about him and what his strategy was. Uh, in our gospel um, Doctrines of the Gospel Student Manual, we have a quote that I like. It says, Satan's plan required one of two things, either the compulsion of man or else saving men in sin. So either he is going to remove agency or try to get people saved in their sins, neither of which would have worked. You see, Satan in the pre-earth life, his plan was not really a plan. It was just simply a method of rebellion. He opposed and rebelled against God's plan of salvation. It's not like God ran out of ideas for a plan of salvation and then started asking su suggestions from the audience. Well, I have a plan. Well, how about this plan? What about this plan? No, it was rebellion against Father's plan. And this is scripturally true. Moses 4.3, Satan rebelled against me. DNC 76.25, he rebelled against the only begotten son. DNC 29.36, he rebelled against me saying, give me thine honor. It was a plan of rebellion. Mark Matthews, one of my colleagues, wrote a great insight article, March 2015, says, quote, Satan's proposal was not an innocent suggestion to amend God's plan. It was a rebellion, a revolt, an attempted mutiny to dethrone God and take over heaven. God's plan is a plan of obedience and righteousness, while Satan's plan is one of disobedience and rebellion. In verse 10, we notice another title for Satan. It says here, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Now has come salvation and strength, the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. You see, in the pre-earth life, Satan accused us of different things. I wonder if he accused Jesus I can see Satan pointing his finger at Jesus saying, do you think you can live a perfect, sinless life? There is no way that you could ever do that. And I can see him pointing at you saying, you think that you will repent of every sin, every mistake, every sh shortcoming you ever mistake, er everything you ever do, you have to repent of it. You think you will do that with every single mistake and sin you ever, ever, ever commit. I can just see him pointing his, his long, pointy, bony finger at us, accusing us of our inability, maybe our ineptitude of repenting of our sins as we fell short. You see, in, uh, 
the following Christ book by Stephen Robinson. He said this, Satan is the typical prosecutor. He never defends. Satan finds fault where he finds no actual fault. He cleverly creates the appearance of fault. That is what Satan is. It's what he does. It is his essence to lie and to accuse. We should not be surprised to see good saints in our day attacked with false accusations in the media. That is what Satan has done from the beginning. Brothers, I'm here to witness that that satanic strategy is still alive and well today. He loves to stir people up so that we accuse one another, that we tear each other down. In 1 Corinthians 15, ask me, 13, verse 5, we have a beautiful passage about charity. One of the attributes of charity is that list is, uh, is presented, says that charity thinketh no evil. Now, yes, it's true that if you are charitable, you don't think evil thoughts. But I was introduced to one of the translations from the Greek. The new inspired version renders that passage as charity keeps no record of wrongs. Oh, isn't that beautiful? We don't score keep if we're trying to be like Jesus. In other words, we don't accuse people. We don't keep records. We don't keep tallies of their mistakes and accuse them. In fact, Elder Holland very poignantly uh, said this, if something is buried in the past, leave it buried. Don't keep going back with your little sand pail and beach shovel to dig it up, wave it around saying, hey, do you remember this? Splat. Well, guess what? That's probably going to result in some ugly morsel being dug up about your from your landfill with the reply, yeah, I remember it. Do you remember this? Splat. And soon enough, everyone comes out of that exchange dirty and muddy and unhappy and hurt when what God pleads for is cleanliness and kindness, happiness and healing. Oh, brothers and sisters, an application for Revelation 12, as you look at the titles of Satan, is that we need to avoid being accusers of our brethren. Please be careful as you post things on social media. Please be kind as people mistreat you. Please be patient when people don't do something to the way you feel like they should. One of my friends, uh, Al Fox Caraway, we got to know each other through some speaking engagements. She is just incredible. Many of you probably know her. She has a huge LDS following. She's a convert that got converted to the gospel in New York. Um, she has a bunch of tattoos. One of her nicknames is the Tattooed Mormon. She moved to Utah shortly after her baptism just to be with the saints, to be enveloped by a community of believers. She went to Deseret Book and she said, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. All of these books and resources. And she had an armful of books. She went to the checkout line and all of a sudden she just felt something. She felt weird, a heaviness, and she looked around. People were staring at her. And finally, after a few moments of silence, the gentleman behind her said, it's a little ironic that someone that looked like you would be walking out of this door with books like that. You see, he had seen her tattoos, but had no idea of her story and her conversion. And she felt defeated. Oh, and she has a marvelous message about being accepting of others that don't quite fit the LDS mold, that we should be forgiving and kind. I love that application for Revelation chapter 12. Another application, verse 11, it says from the pre-earth life, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. I love that. How do how did we conquer Satan in the pre-earth life? Well, we overcame him with the blood of the Lamb, obviously the atonement of Jesus Christ, 
but also by the word of their testimony. I wonder if you were the one that was there defending God's plan of salvation, you sharing your testimony of Jesus and his goodness, that he was going to come down to earth and conquer and live that perfect sinless life and offer a beautiful, marvelous atonement. I wonder if we gave our word of testimony there. And I wonder if we can do better here in mortality to be a witness of the word that we can share our testimonies. I love the fact that we have prophets that use social media for this. We have prophets that tweet and post on Facebook and other social media platforms. I would invite you, can you be a witness of light? Can you share your word of your testimony more often than you currently are doing online? Be a beacon of light. Help overcome these satanic influences by sharing good, positive, uplifting, clean messages. Don't ever use social media to be the accuser of your brethren. Have some restraint and just consciously find ways to promote goodness through social media and other means. Now to finish, Bible Dictionary says that the warfare is not over. It's continued in mortality. The same issues are doing battle. The same salvation is at stake. Brother Matthews, my friend, he wrote this in his article, that March 2015 uh, Insign article. Those who protest and rebel against God and his prophets, those who seek to change God's plan, those who demand a lowering of the standards and seek to compel others to accept immoral behavior and claim that we can find salvation in sin and support different elements of Satan's rebellious strategy need to make corrections. Oh, please don't ever fall into that category. Brothers and sisters, as you look to prepare yourself and others for the second coming, one way you can do that is by being good and sharing goodness. Have good Christ-centered conversations. Have Christ-centered posts on your social media feeds. Never, ever be an accuser of your brethren. Find ways to lift and build and be a light in this world is my invitation as we look at some applications for Revelation chapter 12. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.